Hey, welcome to the highly controversial and polarizing Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Next to me is Chris Nee. Hi, Chris. Hi, Brendan. He waved. You can't see waves on radio, but that's cool. Uh, so we got a full episode for you guys today. Where we're basically going to be recapping camp uh, observations. I kind of put pen to paper with that uh, the other day, and today did a full recap of my takeaways and, and flaming hot takes and whatnot. So you're going to basically hear Chris's thoughts with me just chiming in and trying really hard to not interrupt. So so that's where we're going with that. But before we go into basically our camp observations from week one, as well as kind of a look ahead to, to FSU going down to Bradington IMG, and then a little bit of uh, of questions from the, the listeners, uh, I'm going to skip ahead one one listener question uh, from NoFan1210 wants to know, how did you, that's me, find a woman willing to marry you? Chris, I want your objective opinion on, on how I, I managed to uh, to snag a, a attractive, nice, smart lady. Because you live in your emotions, and women love emotional men. Millennials are going to rule the earth one day, and I'm just ahead of the game. I just hope to be retired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so general thoughts on camp. Let's go over that real quick. Again, there's going to be some spillover from what, from what I have, but we have a full week uh, of getting to watch Florida State. The access has been better than it's been under the Jimbo Fisher era. Chris, without going too far ahead with all the positions that we have written down, because um, we're going to go position by position, I guess what are your general takeaways from, from camp in terms of environment, things they're installing, what stands out to you? Still a lot of teaching. Um, there was some pressing buttons at times, mm-hmm. and a lot of guys, a lot of coaching coaching staff, the coaches, they're – their approach is different regarding who they're dealing with. If they're dealing with a third-year veteran, it's pretty clear they're trying to kind of force them and move them along. If they're dealing with a guy who's in his third or fourth practice as a newcomer, it was far more kind and soft to him, and it was more explanation with a little poking and prodding. Mm -hmm. And and something with that in mind, and I think you've talked about this before in in previous podcasts, is is this is a group of teachers, uh, and it's a very adaptable group, but I didn't really realize it. Uh, at least the, the number of it, and, until we were speaking with Alonzo Hampton, the special teams coordinator, the other day. Uh, and he pointed out that Willie Taggart's staff is comprised of at least four guys on there are, are former high school head coaches. And there's even more that have experience on, on the high school level. So you know, there's a lot of different ways to get to this point in the coaching industry. Well, not a lot, but you can you can be a, a, a GA or you know, and kind of work your way up, or you can be a high school coach and, and kind of break in that way. There, there's different ways, but the fact that you have – you know, nearly half the staff is comprised of, of guys that not only high school football coaches, but when you're a high school football coach, you're also a teacher. You're in the classroom teaching kids uh, from different backgrounds and, and, and whatnot. Um, I think that's a skill that's helpful. And as you're seeing Florida State try to teach a brand new philosophy, a brand new scheme, a brand new mindset, I, I think that's helpful. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, the preference is that athleticism takes over. But I think they want guys to be well-versed in technique and the way they can do things within the scheme of the offense and the defense mm-hmm. and be successful. And that's where the teaching comes in. With the offensive line, there's an explanation of every drill. There's a reason why we're doing this. What does this steal with from the approaching defense? That's always how Greg Fry is dealing with his guys. And with defensive guys, you know, linebackers, DNs, especially, a lot of it's how are we attacking off the edge? How are we pressuring the quarterback? How are we getting after it? And with defensive backs with Harlan, most of the teaching is about recognizing, you know, when do I need to play back? When do I need to be aggressive forward? When do I need to swarm to the ball immediately? Things like that. So everything that's taught has a purpose within what they're trying to execute. 
Do you, do you like this format where we're sitting right next to each other, or do you like it better when we were more intimately staring, like, lovingly and longingly into each other's eyes from across the table? I'm good with it, either which way. I feel like we're really close to each other right now. This is actually maybe more intimate. Uh, two more things that I, I think that we should just go over quickly in terms of, of the camp overview. Uh, I guess we'll blend them together. It, they're teaching tempo on offense. We're still trying to see that become comfortable. I think that's one thing I've observed where they kind of ramped it up a little bit in recent days, but that's still something that Willie's trying to push. We've seen him yelling at the offensive line to get back, and they're having some issues with substitutions. It's still very much so something that they're trying to integrate into to the culture of Florida State football. And then similar on defense, and you pointed this out in one of the observation pieces we had the other day, swarming to the football. Um, and I think those two were kind of philosophies and mindsets that, that are obviously different sides of the ball, but kind of show where this coaching staff is and what, what they want. Uh, where do you think they are? Is that something that you've seen stand out uh, through watching practice? Well, we always knew tempo was going to be a big piece of the puzzle. It's something that Willie Taggart's offense thrives off of. In this sense, tempo isn't we're just trying to run plays fast. It's more when we want to ramp it up, we want to be good mm-hmm. at going fast. Going turbo, I guess, would be the best phrase to use for what they're trying pew, to do. Pew. And it's not a matter of every time we run out there, we're going to try to score in three, four, five plays, and we're going to run two plays every 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not a continuous motion thing right now for this offense. It's a when we need to go with tempo, we're going to be really good at it, and we're going to work really hard at being good at it. And then on the flip side of that, with the defense of swarming the ball, you know, Harlan spoke about it a week ago today that my defense is fairly simple. Mm-hmm. And Walt Bell reinforced that with having gone against Harlan Barnett defenses, that you pretty much know what they're going to do pre snap, especially on first and second down. Third down, they'll show you some exotic looks. But the rule of the defense is one, be aggressive, two, be consistent, and three, get to where the ball is. Mm-hmm. Whether you're the man on the ball or the man around the ball. Make plays happen when they should happen. If a ball gets loose, the defense better recover it. I think that's more the theory, especially with the secondary, of you're going to fly to where the ball is. You're going to create contact, going to try to create turnovers. You're going to make sure if there's an opportunity to create a turnover that you win the ball. All right, so let, let's go down position by position now, starting with quarterbacks, of course. I, I Six days in, DeAndre Francois has been the best of the three. I agree. And to me, it's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of discussion to it. I, I don't think Hawkman's been bad. I truthfully think Bailey's been the second best, and Blackman's been good. But I feel like a lot, especially in the first two days where we got to see the entirety of practice, I felt like he was consistently just a moment behind on decisions and the willingness to let it fly. He also had great moments where he did go vertical. The biggest thing with DeAndre for me is that, one, the physical tools have always been there, mm-hmm. but I've seen improvements. He's been a much better passer underneath with short routes. That's something I've always been kind of negative towards him about. I feel like he's made gains there. And secondly, his consistency has been far better to me. There, It's not a matter of, oh, he makes a throw that amazes you. It's more he's consistently throw to throw to throw been pretty good. My boy Colin Draft's is going to slap you if you say something about DeAndre Francois' short game again. I, I did not like it early <laughs> in his career, and I thought it was a big issue for him coming out of high school ranks, but it's an area where I feel like he's made an improvement, and in this offense, it's essential. You're going to be yeah. throwing bubbles. You're going to be throwing stuff to guys in the short flat. You're going to be throwing the backs out of backfield. You're going to have to be able to execute you know, very underneath, five and under, and even stuff behind the line of scrimmage. And I feel like DeAndre used to struggle with that in some ways, and some of that was he wasn't great at being consistent with his lower half, with his feet. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's made gains there. There was a day where Walt Bell was getting on to him about his feet, but I feel like consistently, snap to snap, he's been better. And and that was something that was reflected when we saw him in 2016. He did a lot of things really well. Uh, I think some some weird narratives about him not being able to, to throw the ball 
deep. I, I don't understand that. His deep numbers were, were pretty good, and yeah, sometimes you hit on those, sometimes you don't. But anyways, the short stuff was an issue. Um, yeah. And I, to, to give a little context for the listeners so they understand, because you mentioned the first two practices were fully open, so you guys have an idea of, of kind of how Chris and I operate daily at practice. Uh, basically, the first two practices of, of fall camp were open in Monday their entirety. Yeah, that was Monday and Tuesday. They were open in their entirety. So that's your scene all, what, 27 or 25 segments, however much it is, you know, a couple hours or uh, close to that of, of practice. And I get scaled back um, afterwards. And so now we see, depending on the day and, and various segments, what, like maybe 30 to minutes to an hour, depending on, yeah, it's, on the day? it's varied. Like yesterday, for example, on Saturday, we only got about 30, 35 minute segment. Day before that was about 45. Day before that, I want to say it was almost an hour. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of been a mix. The nice thing is we're not only seeing the same thing day after day. Sure. Yeah, that's been cool. Um, so, But with that in mind, as it applies to evaluating the quarterbacks and all these positions we're going over, because I want to be transparent to you guys, we have some intel where we're listening and hearing things, but as far as the observations and the opinions that Chris and I are formulating... It's a portion and not the entirety. Correct, correct. And with quarterbacks, yeah, we've seen them throw with seven-on-seven, one-on-ones. Basically, those first two days after that, yeah. it's been more individual work. It's mostly on air. It's not a yeah. whole lot of wit defenders. So you got to grade on a scale. What I will say about DeAndre before we move on is you mentioned the improvement in those areas. I think the anticipation... Uh, the ability to lead and put touch on footballs and being accurate short. Those are three things that you know, as a redshirt freshman, again, we're talking about a redshirt freshman having room to grow, things that at least with the time we've seen him, he looks like he's made strides. And now how does that apply when you know, bullets are flying? Is that something that, that is going to be consistent? Are those new habits that he's formed? Or are those just things we're kind of seeing? I don't know. That's kind of remains to be seen. But but based on the window we've had, uh, I would – I'd. Going into camp, you and I thought DeAndre probably had the, the best chance, and I haven't seen one thing that's made me think differently. If you close your eyes and just mm-hmm. listen to the three of them throw, yeah. and the way it pops on hands when it's caught, DeAndre is a different it's ball. It's different. Yeah, and they say that about with baseball and someone hits. I remember... Uh, an, now, uh, that means he has a great fastball. It does not yeah. necessarily mean he has a touch. But we've also seen good throws when he has you know laid one up or put it over the top. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, the best vertical throw I think I saw all week was Blackman down the middle to LeBorn. To LeBorn out the play open. It was the best... Yeah. Deep ball I've seen the week. Hawkman's actually surprised me with some deep balls. Mm-hmm. The ability to stretch the field has been better from him than I recall him being able to do last year. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that was arm strength improving or him being in better health. Yeah, you know, last year he dealt with a lot of injuries. Yeah, having, having a foot foot injury can limit the ability to right. step in and throw. Yeah, um, but with Francois, we know he has a vertical ability and, and from we, a strength standpoint. And we do see them throw on air. I will say this: like the way, yeah, the one the way it sounds. You and I both talked about that at practice the other day. That that's different, but. Seeing some of the, the touch he's putting on passes, like to Nooney, they were running slant patterns. And and the way the ball curved, I'm trying to do it with my hands, it's not going to translate over well, but the way the ball curved and he hit him in stride, I'm like, that's just, it's different. It's stuff that we haven't seen from him before. It's really encouraging. Again, small sample size, but I think right now, if you're trying to be for Florida State, you want to win football games. The guy who gives you the best chance, in, in my mind, um, is DeAndre Francois. I'll describe that Murray throw for you. You're sitting in the press box and you see it come out of DeAndre's hand and you go, got him. Yep, yep, exactly. You, just, you know it's going to work, and you know FSU just busted a big play down the field. 
people would like to see that this year. So let's move on to running backs. I don't have a whole lot to say. I mean, we thought they were going to be a good group. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anthony Grant, pleasant surprise. Yeah. Dante Pimpton used that to describe him. Exactly. I'd reinforce yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Kid's built like a million bucks. He looks like a linebacker physically, but he runs very well for a running back. He's got a little wiggle for a big, thick you're, dude, too. You're, you're dropping the, those little hints, the little linebacker hints. Still for, no, for no, no, no. no. I'm not trying to move, it. but I get why the discussion was there that he could be a linebacker. You mm-hmm. you see it when you look at him physically, but his playing ability is really good. And, you know, the reason they moved a guy like Zaquandre White is they didn't truthfully need him at running back. Yeah. They, they have four returning guys who are very reliable with different skill sets, and they added a very talented freshman who in a lot of ways kind of fills any gap that White may have had that has departed. You know, and they needed him more on the outside of all. We'll get into White in a little bit, but I think – I think seeing Anthony Grant, I don't know why I want to keep calling him Anthony Gaynor, and I don't know why. Anyways, him being that quote-unquote pleasant surprise is something I think they had started to see even before practice, that he came in from you know, a program like Buford, which for those of you in our audience who don't know, that's a powerhouse in, in North Georgia, and it's uh, it's really well-run program. Yeah, I believe it's Coach Honeycutt is the head coach up there. He's come up through the ranks in Georgia high school football. He... Uh, he knows how to run a program. He yeah. knows how to run a weight room. His guys are prepped so and that's, prepared. So that's what's something with Anthony Grant. I think that, that they like, yeah, he he's a D1 football player, an FBS Power 5 football player. Yep. I, I still think, you know, in a year or two, if you want to move him to linebacker, maybe not in two years, but in a year if you want to. I'm not moving. Okay. All right. He looks good at Especially running Especially if they're not taking it back in this class. It makes perfect sense for him to have a future at that position. He's everything. When Patrick leaves, he very much can take over some of that role. I don't know if I've articulated this publicly or not, if I have. Uh, I'm, I guess I, I was going to apologize. I don't really care. He he reminds me of Jonathan Vickers, what they thought Jonathan Vickers was going to be coming out of high school. Not the converted fullback or the guy who was just a little bit step too slow at running back. He's the type of runner that you wanted Jonathan Vickers to, to be, where he's compact, he runs with balance, he's quick between the tackles and has a little bit more wiggle than you think, uh, and, and that play is at the next level. Uh, moving on, tight end, wide receivers. Uh, it's tough to get a, a full gauge, right, based on – the availability of, of the wide receivers. Yeah, as somebody that works with him on a daily basis, and his point was basically we're getting better each and every day, but there's gains to be made. And that position group is a lot of veteran types that have a lot to prove, some inexperienced types who were poorly used, Tamori and Terry comes to mind, and then the newcomers <laughs> who will probably be leaned on in some form or fashion. Would the returning guys keep Gavin? Started slow, improved as the week went on. Nooney Murray's been consistently good, but somewhat limited as he comes off injury. Tamorian Terry has his flashes, but also has dealt with an injury himself. DJ Matthews been limited because of a back issue. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a mixed bag with the returning group. Now to newcomers, Trayshawn Harrison immediately went in there, and you're like, yeah, that's a dude. Apparently you can he, tell he can do some things. Apparently he scored on the very first play. They did one-on-ones. They had him run deep, and you saw that speed. Take off. Yeah, he'll be good. Keyshawn Helton, shifty, fast, can do a lot of different things, can be used in a lot of different ways. I don't know how much you lean on him, but if you need a player for a certain kind of play in space, he's your dude. They've, they've mentioned him. Willie mentioned him yep. by name specifically, and he's one of the guys who's getting reps at punt return. There's like five or six, but typically when I see someone getting reps with special teams, that lets me think that early on in camp, a freshman, uh, regardless of where they are on special teams, when I see him with the first or second team unit, that makes me think, uh, they have plans for him, or at least they would like to have plans for him. He uh, Oddly, he was listed as an athlete on the roster when it first came was out. Was he really? Yeah, <laughs> but it's a fair thing. He is an excellent athlete, mm-hmm. but he's also a very capable receiver. 
Jordan Young actually been fairly quiet throughout the week. He stands out more in pads than out of pads. Mm-hmm. He just looks larger than he is out of pads when he's in pads. It's a weird thing. And I know everybody looks bigger in pads, but he's a guy that there's a noticeable difference in the way he looks. Um, Warren Thompson, some real good early in the week, some drops later in the week. Overall, I'd say he had a fairly good first week. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a big option, somebody that I can see them kind of leaning on and going to. And Demarcus Adams, name of his game is vertical straight speed. He's going to do some things to get it open, but he he looks comfortable. He's another kid, mainland, good program. They're going to prep their kids for the college game. He's walked in and been ready to contribute. There's not a freshman other than probably Trayshawn Harrison who I'm sitting here and thinking, oh, yeah, he can play day one Virginia Tech and do something and be a mm-hmm. crucial piece of the offense. But that group as a whole, I think a vast majority of them play during their freshman year mm-hmm. and play a good bit. And I think that's going to be a position where you see a very large rotation. Murray might be a regular, consistent guy. Because him, especially if it's Francois, him and Francois just have a natural built-in order to each other. They work so well they together. They played high school, or they play, sorry, they didn't play high school football. They played youth football yeah. together. Uh, and and it shows. It shows when they're on the field. Yeah. They don't. Nuni doesn't drop balls that come from Francois. I'm not saying he drops balls for other people, but he never drops a Francois thrown ball. Yeah, it's weird. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I think he's a guy that almost certainly is in there. I think Terry's probably the next man up. Gavin has a shot at that third spot, mm-hmm. but then you're going to have a lot of guys trying to steal spots. I think you're going to see FSU utilize different skill sets at that position in different ways. It's not going to be we're just running three out there and that's who we're playing with. It's going to be we're going to use seven to eight guys and we're going to use their skill sets as we need in this offense on those particular plays or on this stretch of plays when we're trying to run tempo. That's, I think, the best-case scenario is that you're able to get all those guys into where you can use, when I say the guys, the freshmen, and to use their their respective skill sets. So like, like like a Helton, like can you get him in on a bubble screen or something like that? Remember, with the new redshirt rule, that's going to be interesting. You have four games to play them. My understanding is Florida State wants to use that fully. Unless they think a kid's going to be in over his head and, and it'll be detrimental, if you think there's any way a kid can help, you got to find ways to use them. How they're going to use them still, I think they were still trying to figure that out, and I think every coaching staff across the country is going to kind of experiment with that. But you know, at wide receiver specifically to me it is a position that's going to be interesting how that's used because you have a guy like you mentioned, Chris uh, Demarcus Adams. He can take you know the top off a of defense and go vertically. Like that's that's something that that you can maybe say, okay, this week we're going to need that a little bit to to stretch the field, or we think we can take advantage of it. Um, just one other thought on the wide receivers. Uh, you were mentioning kind of the the, the hot and cold of, of the unit. I think that's going to be to me the theme of this season. I think you're going to see some really really fantastic flashes. I think you're going to see some moments where it's frustrating. Uh, that's kind of my my instinct going into it, just based on the youth, based on the inexperience. I think you're going to see a lot of up and downs, but, but you're also going to have something to, to maybe by the end of the year say, okay, this is this is what we are going forward. We have talent. Now let's get it more consistent. Keep Gavin's wild card of the bunch. If yeah. he breaks through and plays to the level he's capable of, they're going to be much better at a position than we think they are today. He, he maybe epitomizes, I think, what this position yeah. is right now, what it is and what it could be. I, I think that he embodies that. So offensive line, uh, I'll let the big guy talk about the big guys. Go for it. Tight ends are people, too. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Tight ends are people, too. Tight ends, pretty simple. Trey McKitty's your dude. Cam McDonald definitely is your future. Um, Ability to stretch it, long, lanky dude. I don't think we'll see him. Very fluid athlete. I don't know how much he plays early. He's going to struggle in the blocking game some, but if you're just flexing a guy out, he's capable of doing that. And then the depth after that, I think Gabe Neighbors is your best hybrid type. Mm -hmm. Alexander Marshall has had flashes. Nazir Upshur is your blocking type. He loves it. He relishes it. He wants to put people on their backsides. 
And that's kind of that group. I don't think tight ends is a group that FSU leans heavily on outside of Trey McKitty. Mm-hmm. But there's enough talent there that they can get by this year. Don't over, you know, as we kind of have been doing the depth charts and stuff, sometimes try to overcomplicate it. Like, Trey McKitty's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy who fits in what they want to do best. I think you said neighbors can come in and do some variations of, of parts of the offense well. Uh, Alexander Marshall's had a couple of nice days, and that's been cool to see because he was someone that was practicing with the young guys. Uh, what the first two days of camp were the yep. freshmen, and I think some injured players, a couple other veterans that they're trying to, you know, they were in transition. Uh, but that'd be cool if he steps up to someone who can give you some some quality reps here and there. But it's Trey McKitty. All right, big guy, big guy, big guys, go. First five, feel pretty good. Juwan Williams has to, uh, you know, become a more consistent force at left tackle, but he's been thrown into that fire. He's done okay. Greg Fry and he both spoke on it this week. I think they both kind of, if you had to sum it up, said, you know, good, some good, some bad. Um, he needs strength gains, but he's not weak. He needs to gain a little more weight, but he's not too thin. He's the best you got right now at that spot. After those first five, ooh, it falls kind of off a cliff. <laughs> Bavion has <laughs> been up and down as a center as far as snapping the ball, but he's a guy that you probably could throw in the fire if you needed to. Corey Martinez knows what the hell he's supposed to do, but I, I just don't think he's capable of playing at a very high level. He has a physical limitation um, there. But if you had to put him in, he'd at least, you know, he wouldn't be out there with his head spinning. He knows what's being asked of him. He processes it very well. It's more the physical side of the game where he falls short. But there's just a lot to be done there. I mean, Arthur Williams has worked at guard. You've seen Mike Arnold, but he's bounced up and down as far as how much they thought about him on the second team versus not on the second team. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Armstrong got a little run there. They got 15 bodies there, 14 if you don't include Christian Meadows, who has a hurt shoulder. Right now they got five that they probably feel pretty good about, maybe seven to eight that they can get by with. But after that, there's not much. And the biggest issue is tackle. It's just it's it falls off the cliff completely after Jawan Williams as far as having a legitimate true tackle you can mm-hmm. rely upon. Abdul Bellow is your wild card. I'm not a believer in him. We'll see if he proves me wrong. But he's probably the most physically built guy to play that position. Then you're moving on to freshmen like Chaz Neal, who is certainly not ready. Um, Jalen Goss. Goss, who is just so thin on a long frame. But he, he moves looks, well. Yeah, he'll, he'll be, he'll be good in long term, but mm-hmm. he's not a guy you want in the fire early on against very high caliber defense men. Yeah, All right. that's well summed up. The, I think the goal coming out of preseason camp, one – was to find the starting five. It looks like they feel good about that. Which, it's great. One weekend, they know who their five main guys are. I like it's that not a not... matter of they're continually questioning themselves and trying to figure it out. They have the five. The five fingers are in the glove. It's now figuring out how to work together as one hand. Yep, and that makes a ton of sense And as it applies to the second team. Won't off tr- go off track too much here. <laughs> You're looking at me skeptically, but but you know previously we saw one thing with with the the previous regime with Rick Trickett. He did a lot of cross training, and while that made sense, and I think that's ultimately what you you have to do to an extent. Uh, the fact that they weren't they were searching for answers almost desperately weeks into preseason camp, like like at left they wanted Rick Leonard at left tackle right last year, and that's how they had him. I think exiting the spring is what they were thinking. Correct me if I'm wrong, but then then all of a sudden camp starts and he's at right tackle, and you're trying to figure it out. Uh, and you're trying to figure out a pretty important position at, at left tackle. And, and I think you you have to have continuity. You have to have chemistry. And that's one thing that's just been lacking so much among that unit the last couple of years. A lot of it's due to injuries. So that, that's, that's at least part of the equation. But I think the cross-training overly so hurts. Now you're seeing in the second string, 
Uh, a guy like Corey Martinez is working at right tackle, right guard, left guard. You could work on that a little bit more when the chemistry isn't as essential. Bavion Johnson at guard or center, those are guys you can plug in, and if you have to move uh, a starter if they get injured or something, you could kick Derek Kelly outside to left tackle if Jawan Williams goes down, or you can move Landon Dickerson over to left tackle or or something like that. I, I just think it makes sense that you have continuity. That's encouraging that you have five that you feel good about. That's some, something to take away that, that is positive. Yeah, and I, I think if there is an injury at tackle, you see a guy like Kelly move outside, and they fix mm-hmm. it from the inside. They've got more options that make sense on the interior mm-hmm. than on the exterior. Yeah. And one, one other thing on offensive line before we move on, Landon Dickerson – Grown by leaps and bounds as a vocal leader, has a great personality. He gets after it. He does it when a drill is going on. He does it before practice starts. It's just consistent beginning to end. And Alec Everly is kind of your steady Eddie. Yeah. Been there forever, knows what he's doing. Good center. But Landon is very much a vocal leader of that group these days. When all the big guys were running over to get water, uh, Landon Dickerson was the first one over, and they had like the, the hydration station that you can squirt out. And he just starts dousing everyone going, Woo! Yeah, he, he's just loose. Like yeah. he, but he he's bringing it yeah. rep to rep. He's been excellent so loose far through a week of preseason. Yeah. But he uh, he keeps it going with a group that has a lot of gains to make and is getting taught every rep when they're not in a team concept. Yeah, I, that's encouraging sign too. There's some stuff to go off of. It's just man, it's really fragile footing for that yes. for that unit. Right. And it's a group that almost always has to deal with injuries. <laughs> this is true. All right, this is a piece of paper. I'm flipping it over. I have notes, and I'm organized. Defense, you guys spoke. I listened. This is defensive ends. You can gush about Brian Burns like I just gushed about Landon Dickerson. I mean, I won't over. I won't over uh, overstate it here. No, maybe I will. You know what? I, I will. I, Brian Burns is really damn good. He needs yep. to look good. Uh, couch it a little bit. Like, he should do well because, like you said, Chris, offensive tackle is probably one of the, the – if that offensive line, you have guys who aren't as experienced there or someone like Dickerson who's never played there. So early on in camp, especially when pads aren't on, like I expect Brian Burns, a, a quick, twitched-up uh, pass rusher type, to, to look good. With that being said, uh, I think the part that's really encouraging about his growth is that when he gets in the backfield now, he, he freaking lets you know, man. Like he, he gets up in your face – uh, and is bring with a, a he has a certain level of intensity. This is someone that I think it's the lights have turned on. That this is a bag year for him. This is this is his season. Uh, he's taken to the new coaching staff. I think the new uh, scheme where they just have him kind of going after the quarterback is going uh, in theory to to really fit his skill set. Everything I think starts on defense with him and what what he's able to do. If he's able to carry over even like seventy to eighty percent of what we've seen in the preseason over to the regular season. Uh, that starts a domino effect where your pass rush is going to be damn good uh, this season. I, I think he's looked really nice. Yeah, and defensive end groups led by him. But, you know, Wally is a guy that looks like a million bucks. He yeah. physically has done a great job redefining his body. He's playing at a high level. J-Rob's a guy that White's certainly coming on for. He doesn't bring it every rep as to the highest level. I mean, they're, they're still getting after him. You see Mickey Andrews talking to him. You see Odell talking to him when they're doing group. Obviously, you see Mark Snyder talking to him. A lot of times it's, J-Rob, what we're teaching you need to bring every rep. We need high intensity every rep. It's something that Burns has figured out Mm -hmm. that J-Rob has to figure out. But J-Rob is a drastically better football player than he was 12 months ago. Mm -hmm. And he's well beyond where he was when he walked on campus when he didn't know a damn thing about technique at that position. Mm -hmm. So I feel good about what you're getting from J-Rob. Kane, though, it's been kind of a slow burn. They're holding him back a little bit. I don't think he's hurt or anything. I think they're just kind of integrating him slowly. But we haven't seen him unleashed. Yeah. And he's a guy that, you know, there's just a natural buzz about from an athletic and ability standpoint. Plus, 
very smart young man. He processes things at an incredibly high level. You feel like he's going to bring it, but we haven't seen that through six days of practice. I know Harlan for sure said it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Mark Snyder did too, the defensive end coach. Uh, when asked about Kando, I think they both kind of said, like, yeah, we've heard some really cool things yeah. about him, but we, we want to see it. Uh, Kando is a guy, Jimbo used to always say this, and a lot of coaches say it. If you want to know how good somebody is, ask his teammate. Mm-hmm. Kando is one of those guys that teammates buzz about. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks, that's your creative player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have four guys I think that you feel good with. Yep. Uh, I think that Trey that, Lawson's going to give you nothing if he's even still on the team long term. <laughs> We have not seen Trey Lawson at practice for how many days? Three days, I think yeah. it is now, ever since him and Juwan had a little spat. I, yeah, I don't but know. I don't think he's missing practice because Correct. of said spat. I don't think that helped, but uh, I don't think it was because of that either. Um, real quick on defensive ends before we move on. Uh, Xavier Peters, uh, what, you were there on Saturday. I took the day off because I'm going down to IMG. Yeah, um, and you're newly married and you don't want to get divorced because you're leaving your wife for days on end. <laughs> and I also um, had to mow like an acre of yard, too, with a, with a push mower. Xavier is still waiting to get into full acclimation where he can do stuff so he can catch up, get into pads. You know, FSU went into pads for the first time on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They had two days of shells prior to Saturday. He's not yet at that point where you can put shells on. He's been sitting there absorbing it, taking mental reps, as they love to say. Um, he'll be a little bit behind. I don't think he's a guy that does a ton out of the gate because he is going to be essentially about two weeks behind in practice time. Mm. But, man, he physically, you know, he's got a little reshaping to do, but he's not out of shape. Why were – you? because you follow recruiting obviously much, much, much closer than I do and kind of get these little storylines that pick up uh, in the course of a recruiting cycle – I tweeted out a picture, or I tweeted out that that Peters was going to play defensive end and not linebacker, and Miami fans got a kick out of that. Why? What am I missing? Probably because Miami fans and Florida fans are kind of weird on Twitter. I mean, they're, they're just <laughs> odd. You know, you put up a snake drill and they retweet it eight hundred times because they think it's an elementary drill. It's also funny how they um, all pick, how they all make the same joke over yeah. and over. Like, really? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, come on, read what, fall into the rabbit hole and see what people are saying. Um, no, I mean Peters. He was always called a linebacker. He was always discussed as a linebacker. He played defensive end. But in physically, high he's a yeah. speed rush and yeah. a three-four jack, bring it downhill, get after the quarterback kind of guy. That's what his skill set is. That's what he does. That's what FSU wants him to do. So I, I don't know why there's a big deal over it. Last um, thing, we, what, people get way too obsessed with the whole outside linebacker DN. Like, oh, you guys ask me about star one more time. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God. This day and age, outside backers and speed rush ends are the same damn thing. Edge rusher, edge defender, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Josh Sweat is in the NFL, and at some point in his career, he will be called an outside linebacker, and at some point in his career, he'll be called a defensive end. And you know what? He's going to be doing the same damn thing both times. I like the way Mark Snyder talks about Dennis Briggs. I thought that was the last note that I had. Yeah. From, I, I thought he, he lit up a little bit when he, he talked about Dennis. And Dennis looked good in a couple of reps. He looks pretty light on his feet for a big yeah. dude. Among all the freshman defensive linemen, including Chapman on the interior, yeah. he is the one that gets the most buzz. Okay. Um, I didn't mention anything about the defensive tackles. I don't have that in my notes. Well, yeah. It's, but what it, it, <laughs> it's Christmas and Jones at the yeah. top. They're the leaders. They know what they're doing. Marv's getting healthy and bringing it. The depth is good. Cedric Wood hasn't been there because of an arm injury. Chapman's a guy who's got a lot to learn. I don't think he makes a big contribution off the bat. But Odell almost prefers his freshman defensive ends to more often be the development type instead of the uh, 
you know, Marvin Wilson thrown into the fire. Not that he wouldn't love to have a league type <laughs> talent, yeah. but I'm just saying in general, more often his freshman oh. defensive tackle is a guy that's going to kind of take a backseat. Odell does Odell doesn't have an ego at the slide. It's probably the least of anyone I've ever met in this industry, but he does, and I'm, I don't know if this is conscious, he likes coaching guys who remind him of him. him. Yep. yep, very much true. Yeah. I mean, Fred Jones is that too. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's yeah, why he loves Fred. Yep, he's Fred's great. a good player, but Fred Jones is Odell Hagen's. 25 years younger. Uh, uh, who's the, oh God, the Wakaiba kid? Tyler Davis. He's yeah. Very talented, but physically similar. Uh, I don't think Odell was ever that quick as Tyler. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it for defensive tackles. Yeah, move, yeah. move on. Linebackers. Uh, I think of all the, other, outside of quarterback, of all the positions where you and I are kind of like, okay, let's see where this goes. Let's, let's, we know what Mike linebacker is. That's Dontavious Jackson. Leonard Warner is his primary backup. I think they feel good about that one, two. Star is either going to be Jaden Woodby or DeKalen Brooks. I think long-term, obviously, Jaden Woodby is, is damn impressive. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, Sam linebacker or the other outside linebacker spot. I think Sam's what they call it at Michigan State, so I've just been calling it that. Uh, still up in the air? Is that, is that fair to say? It doesn't look like there's a, a front-runner, from what I, or at least a front-runner that pops. Yeah, I mean, you look at the options. You have Emmett Rice coming off a knee injury. Definitely looks like a guy coming off a knee injury. He, looks, jo- he, he favors that knee Josh bit. Brown... There just hasn't been an impact. Like you, you don't see anything where you go, oh, man, he's flashing or he's out. It's mm-hmm. not like Jim Arius Romson where you're like the light is coming on. You yeah. have not seen that with Josh. Adonis Thomas, there's some questions about his willingness to be super physical and stick his nose in it. I don't think you can survive in this defense where you're swarming and hitting without being willing to be that guy. So, yeah, I mean, it's a question mark. And it's a position where you see guys like Zaquandre White moving and Hampson Nazarene cross-training. I think some of it's trying to find answers. Yeah, uh, that's a position that we knew that the depth was. They basically, I, mean, I guess they've been asked about the depth of these two positions, but coaches haven't just straight up said, oh, no, we're, we're, we're fine, we're fine. They're like some other former coaches would just lie and tell you that they're fine. <coughs> Jimbo. Linebacker and offensive. You almost made it. Uh, you made it 32 and a half minutes. Woo! Uh, linebacker and offensive tackle were the ones uh, I think that coaches have kind of said, yeah, we're not as deep as we would like here. The talent on the roster is something that this coaching staff has never questioned. They knew they inherited a really good, talented roster. Uh, they did know that there were going to be some holes in terms of depth in some areas where they didn't have a whole lot of luxury that, that they would like at, at, at where they are at Florida State. I think linebacker is one of them, and I think with the we haven't seen someone just completely come up and just wow you there at, at that position kind of indicates that they're – there's some questions. I, I do think Woodby's wowed me at linebacker. Oh, at start. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree I, with you on yeah, Sam. I yeah. think your point is more about Sam than the overall Correct. three positions. Correct. But Woodby's wowed. Woodby, when they go physical in practice, Jaden Woodby salivates, well, and it's clear as day. You can see it from a hundred yards away that he wants to go and hit somebody. And when they don't go physical in practice, <laughs> he's Jayden still pretty still damn physical. physical. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there, well, it was on Tuesday, I think, where where we saw the full, and they they weren't in pads yet, and uh, and they had to tell him to like don't take your guy onto the ground mm-hmm. because he could. But you see the fun things like that you can do with him, and why they like him in that hybrid star position. Guys, it's not safety. It's not linebacker. It's kind of a little bit of both. He's basically going to be guarding in the slot. But when you see college football, there's so many screens and and perimeter passes now. That dude is made to blow up the perimeter. He's going to sniff it out, and he's going to try to knock you the hell out. Yep. Uh, So, so yeah, my point was largely about Sam. I think think they are really, really excited about Jaden. I think they like Dontavious. They feel good about those two. Uh, I do wonder, and I've seen some cross-training. To Kalen moving over to the other side. I think that makes the most sense if you're trying to get your best 11. People are going to scoff at it, those who are not on the Kalen Brooks train. 
but he's physical. Mm-hmm. He plays to contact. He will stick his nose in and be mm-hmm. an aggressive defender. And I think if you don't have a guy you trust in that regard, Adonis Thomas, maybe that is your option. Before, so yeah, I, I, in this offseason, I went back and I was looking at the Michigan State depth chart, just to get an idea of okay, size types, body types, you know, who, who, who they have at these positions. And that Sam linebacker was a guy who was like 230, 240. We've seen DeKalen take some reps. You're not the least bent Woo! tired, are you? Um, it's more anticipatory of, of the drive coming up. But so we have him at, at you see him at Sam. Uh, he's an undersized guy who's quicker. You saw Emmett Rice take some second-team reps at Sam. He's an undersized guy who's quicker. This staff, and I guess it shouldn't surprise me, seems willing to be flexible. At, at We knew on offense they were for sure going to be. Defensively, seems like they're not trying to say, this is our prototype, this is our mold. Yeah. There's guys they prefer, obviously. But they're, they're trying to get 11 good players on the field. And that's what that, man, when you go back to that 2013 defense, when that whole thing flipped around, it's because they said, screw it to that 3-4 that we're trying to do. We're just going to put our best 11 on the field. And then they kicked ass after that. I think long-term Emmett Rice might be the answer at Sam. But yeah. he, just, he has to get healthy. He, just he, does, he doesn't look he like a guy He looks like a guy who's coming off an yeah. injury. He doesn't move real fluid right now. He doesn't look super comfortable. Probably the confidence is still not 100% on that knee just so because that's the natural order of things. In, December, right? in the ball game, yeah. in the Independence Bowl. So I, I think long-term he's it. I just don't know how long it will take him to get back to his old self. Yeah, so you have to you know, we're going to see it three games in the season, or is it going to be midway, or is it going to be November? And I'm not, uh, to clarify, I'm not dumping on Adonis Thomas. I just don't think he's your long-term. I think if you need him to come in and take 200 reps yeah. this season, you live with that. That's he, fine. He's good depth. Yeah. I don't know if he's the guy you want to be your starter. Yeah, okay. I, I to be a very good defense. Uh, this is the Quandre White move. Let's talk about that because that was a really big storyline early in camp. Guys, he's a backup linebacker and a backup running back. I thought, I'll admit it, I thought he would be inconsequential when the move was made. A few reps in practice have kind of changed my opinion on that. I think he's a too-deep, capable player who will help you in some situations. He's an excellent athlete. He would have been a great running back because he is such an excellent athlete. The learning the scheme and stuff, uh, I don't think he's great at that personally. So it leaves something to be desired. But if you need a guy to just go out there and stick his nose and be physical, be a little bit of a loose cannon, a little crazy like you like linebackers to be, he's capable of that. He played a little defense in high school. It's not a you know foreign position to him. There's a learning curve to it. You saw that with him going through drills with Raymond Woody. But long term, can he give you something on the 2D? Sure. Yeah, that was the first position change that they've had that I was kind of because I think we've talked about this before. That I've really liked all their position changes: Wally Amey out to defensive end, uh, Deontay Sheffield from running back to slot wide receiver, Ontario Wilson. Like everything's been sensible and logical. This is the first one I was like, eh, but but to your point, like apparently he's done well in practice the first couple of days over there. Plus, let's be honest, was he going to touch the ball at running back? No, no, that's so you make a move because you can afford it. And going back to Anthony Grant, uh, you have a guy who okay, okay, that's your fifth running back now. You. So Quandre is going to be your fourth or your fifth, best case scenario, yeah. uh, for the next year at least. If you if you get ravaged by injuries at running back, is he back at running back? Mm, yeah, probably. yeah. You can you can always move. That's the great thing about this system. It's pretty simple. You just move a guy over there and tell him to, to go with the football. That that's great. I I don't think we see. I could be wrong. I don't think we'd see anything from Ramon Lane when he moved to safety and he ended up being an adequate safety. Uh, someone again that probably not a starter. I think they that was unfortunate that he had to start, but a decent depth guy. Maybe that's what Zuquandre is by the end of this season or in a year or two. Yeah, and with Amari Gaynor's injury where he's going to miss, you know, two to four weeks of the opening mm-hmm. portion of the season, 
you need more depth there. Linebacker is an area of need, so you're addressing need. And I think ultimately that's why that move was made. You're taking away from a strength, and you're not weakening that strength, yeah. and you're trying to help weakness. Yeah, it makes sense. It's it's worth it. It's a, it's a dice roll. Uh, Leonard Warner, real quick, are you surprised? This is more free-flowing. I, I thought he would be a... Uh... I guess I thought he'd be a bigger factor in that, Sam. I, I, I haven't seen it. I think they're ultra comfortable with him at Mike. Mm-hmm. And Mike is a, in my opinion, if you're ranking the three spots, Star and Mike are more important. Yeah. So I think you want to be really sure. If you have a good Mike, I don't know if you take away from having a good Mike. Okay. It's basically what I'm getting at. If Dontavious wasn't as good as he's been, mm-hmm. we would talk more about Warner because he's been pretty good in his own right. Okay. All right, let's transition over, and we'll use this as a bridge from linebackers to defensive backs. Talk about Hamza and Nasrul D. I'll do an SEC media question. Talk about it. (laughs) Uh, You know, we talked about Keith Gavin kind of starting slow and having a better back half of the week. Hamza has started slow and still appears to be going kind of slow. He's been underwhelming. We've seen him running with the third team, cross-training at linebacker. There's been no moment where he flashed in practices. There's been a lot of guys at the defensive back position, at the safety positions, who have simply looked – better than Hamza with what they're asking him to do. He just it hasn't been that good. And spring, you know, I've heard mixed reviews on his spring. Some people told me his good moments were great and he had some bad moments too, that he was up and down and consistent. I believe all that to be true. But, you know, I'm surprised that the good hasn't translated to more good as a preseason opened. Yeah, the, the with the spring, yeah, we'd heard similar things. I think that that the upside was there, that Harlan really, really liked him. Yeah, Harlan's compared recruits to him. Yeah. Like, it, he's not been like your defensive back. He's been like your safety in the mold of Hampson Asmund mm-hmm. Yeah, so, kids. so they, they, they like him. They like his upside, and it's very clear why when you watched him play last year. With that being said, I heard that the spring didn't end very well for him. The spring game, certainly what we got to see was, uh, I think, evidence of it of not being sharp. And then, you know, here's what we do know through uh, a week of, of preseason camp. He started off with the number two, you know, the number twos in practice at, at boundary safety, uh, and then he was when we were watching the per or not the perimeter, uh, the pursuit drills. Uh, he I think it was it Tuesday or Wednesday was with the threes, and Calvin Brent Bruton went over him. Uh, and then we saw him cross training that linebacker one day. I'm not sure what to make of it. I, I I hate to make something a big deal that I don't have the full answers to. I try to be transparent with you guys on the message board in here. Like if I don't know, I don't know. Right. I I, I think what Chris's message is is that. He, underwhelming right now and yeah. i think that's basically what we can operate with he just hasn't popped right he's now. a guy when his name is discussed i have a general excitement about him. yeah you because do. i do think he has a world i can see a what ton the of talent. Pants right now <laughs> i think he has a ton of talent i, I think he's a versatile big athlete mm-hmm. i think some of the issue is figuring out what he's really good at for him mm-hmm. is figuring out what he's really good at and what's a weakness and playing to his strengths and learning how to kind of cover up his weaknesses and I don't know if he's done a great job of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about a young player in a new defense. Some guys have a learning curve. Some guys have bad moments. Some guys have bad weeks. Mm-hmm. Maybe in two weeks we're talking about Hamps is pushing for a starting yeah. job. It would not shock me either which way. I am surprised, though, that the first week he's been kind of a guy who, you know, the only time he's been observed it's because of almost like a demotion or something less than what we expected or what we saw earlier in the week. And for the sake of transparency, Willie Taggart was asked very clearly, is Hampstead working at linebacker? He said no. No, he said he's a safety, and he was very brief about it. Yeah. He didn't really he didn't gush that, about him either which way, and that's the day we saw him cross-training at linebacker. Um, yeah, so, but again, that's so hard for context because that's one little blip that we see, and he's over there with the linebackers. Who knows? They could be working on run fits. They could be saying, okay, let's see if he could be like a dime linebacker and certain like 
it's just a small. You didn't yeah. see him at linebacker on Saturday, correct? It was at defensive back. Correct. He was working at DB. It's twenty five percent of the preseason. Yeah, Let's see yeah. what the other seventy five percent tells us about. Him. All right. So, but it is something people have been asking about. Want to address it there? Um, now, if Hampson's not your starter at boundary safety opening day, let, let's transition here to the experience at, at in the secondary because I think what we've seen has kind of been surprising to me based on that they've gone so far with experience over upside. Kyle Myers working at cornerback uh, looks like to be a first team guy early on this the, in the preseason, and then AJ Westbrook, who I mean I know that he's kind of polarizing on our message board, but. The metrics would say he's been a, a pretty good situational slash fringe starter for the last two years now. Erase a Louisville game, and he's the guy working at boundary safety right now. I think what you're seeing at the safety spots right now is guys who get the game of football. Yeah. Who have a great understanding of it. Stanford Samuels at field safety is certainly that. Mm-hmm. Stanford has the athleticism to play anywhere in the secondary. I think he's an exceptional corner. But he's at field because he processes at a high level. He knows what defense is supposed to do. He's sort of the coach on the field, in quotations. AJ is a kid that's very intelligent, processes football at a high level, understands it. He's a good enough athlete. I think that's what you're seeing at those spots. With Kyle Myers, I think Kyle's a kid willing to stick his nose in there. They're going to play press corner coverage. He's willing to do that. He's willing to be physical. If you're going to move Stanford to safety, he's your next man up. And Levante, much like Brian Burns, contract year, that kid's dialed in like unlike anybody's business. And (laughs) Levante's always been sort of an intense dude, Mm -hmm. and I love him. He's got a great personality. But he is 100% dotted. He is at practice to whoop the guy across from him and compete at a very high level and press scouts that are watching practice and prepare to have a great junior season. I, I feel like I don't talk about Levante enough. And I know we write about, you know, we, when we have the PFF. I don't know if we still have PFF anymore. But when we, we do, we wrote a lot about his, his metrics and how favorable those were. And, uh, it's something that's well documented. But at the same time, I like watching him in practice. You take for granted how, how consistent he is and how he's always in position. The only time I've ever seen him struggle some is he got beat over the top one on one, like by a Tamarian Terry. But guess what? Like that's kind of happened sometimes when you're five ten. He's all, still all the good is great. All the good is really really good to go with. Here's the thing with Taylor: even when he gets beat. He's competitive while getting beat. Yeah. He, it's rarely he made a miscue and got beat. It's see, usually it was a jump yeah. ball. He didn't get between the arms and clean it out. And the athlete who he went against simply made a great athletic play over him. It's not a matter of he went in when he should have went out. He didn't stay in the hip pocket. He didn't play through the arms. It's almost never that. From a technique standpoint, what he's asked to do as a cornerback, he's exquisite. Yeah, you don't see a whole lot of bad reps. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe none. Um, Stanford Samuels, you mentioned him at – at field safety, uh, you know, part of me, I, I understand the logic and what they're doing. I don't think he's going to stay there all the time. I think he's a guy you can move around. Like he, you know, the, I don't. I want to kind of delve into like what the third down package has been in previous years under Harlan Barnett. I was described as more like a three-four look, but I wonder if that's a guy like if you move him to the corner in that three, you know, in that third down package, and you put Cyrus Fagan in a true field safety. And, of, yeah, and yeah, Fagan's working right behind him and looks yeah. clearly comfortable with that role. Yeah. I don't think Stanford got moved there because Fagan wasn't good at it. I think Stanford got moved there because Stanford's so good at it. Are you okay with that, I guess, though? Yeah, I, I think, I think Stanford there? plays different roles against different opponents, against different caliber of individual players. If there's a team that has an exquisite one-two receiver combo, I think it would not be surprising in the least to see him lining up over to number one or number two guy with Levante mm-hmm. opposite him, Kyle playing more of a nickel-type role, and potentially Cyrus playing that field safety role. 
Okay, real quick, the freshman defensive backs, looks like all three are playing cornerback. That's yes. A.J. Litton or Lighton? Lytton. Willie said it the other day. Willie said Lighton. We're going with Lighton. Lighton. Oh, God. <laughs> Asante Samuel Jr. is who he thought he was, and Isaiah Bolden's been a really nice surprise. I will admit I wasn't super high on him coming in. Uh, they clearly like him. He's taking reps at punt return. Uh, I, I do think A.J. Lighton uh, looks to be the most polished, though. He looks like someone – he was the first guy who was called up with the, with the big boys when they were doing the uh, – what was it, the, the veteran freshman practices? Yeah, the, the day split two practices. practice. He was moved up, and he had some really nice reps. Even if he got beat, he was right there in position to, to have a chance at it. And uh, Willie kind of beamed when he was t- – he was asked about the wide receivers, and then he transitioned to talking about the freshman cornerbacks and had a smile on his face when talking about all three. So it's going to be really interesting to see those guys play. Yeah, they're all fun. Zay, Isaiah Bolden, and I think he's a safety. I've always thought that. <laughs> you think I'll, t- I'll tie Isaiah that. He's been working at corner. He's excited. That's his spot. He loves playing that role. Mm-hmm. They've been using him. He's got great length. He's the kind of guy that can get away with an impressed scheme and play corner. I just think his skill set overall is more that of a safety long term. AJ, really fun to watch. Good athlete. Very good technician. Very physical, aggressive kid. That's gonna that's gonna translate well to Harlan. And Asante Samuel is a little pit bull. He he wants mm-hmm. to bite your ankles, punch you in the face, maybe throat punch you. But he's also a silky smooth athlete, oh man. I'm trying to keep this. PG, there was one PG drill PG where he PG had to 13. flip the hips and turn and come back, and it's like like he's ice skating. It's unbelievable to watch him move. He athletically, he's off the charts. I mean, he's so fun to watch. That whole group's gonna be good. Like, yeah. uh, and I think they're you know if there wasn't the kind of talent ahead of them that there is. I think you would see them play a lot as freshmen. I, I do think you'll, by the end of the year, see them integrated into roles and, and possibly, like, I, I think Lighton could be a guy who, keep it on the radar, like, could start uh, if, if they end up liking him and he gets more reps, like, maybe after that bye week or something, middle of the season. But, yeah, I, I do think they're really comfortable there. Those are going to be guys who contribute on special teams and, and maybe uh, coaches start kind of finding sub-packages for him. One loss all at defensive back Carlos has been Carlos Becker. Becker. Yeah, I was gonna, He's yeah. been dealing with some injuries. He was in a boot on, I believe it was Saturday, may have been Friday. Days are running together a little bit mm-hmm. here at the end of the week. I believe it was Saturday, though. But he's just, he's not been 100%. So he hasn't been able to really get out there and get after and go. There was one day where he was clearly struggling. Willie was walking down the field with him, looked like just giving him some words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Harlan's tried to work with him. I just don't think he's on two good wheels right now. And that's frustrating for a guy who, you know, basically has been sidelined for a year with yeah. injuries. And until you, you know, until you see him consistently on the field, it's just going to be tough to, to say, you know, what we think he's, he's going to be or can yeah. be in this defense. So. All right, that's kind of our rundown. That wasn't like super fast paced, but it wasn't too slow for us either. We are going on almost an hour. Uh, real quick, going to IMG this week, uh, FSU. I think there's, I think they hit the road at around noon today. Um, so they're heading down. Uh, we'll start back practice on Monday. I guess the storylines, Chris, as as we hit it into you know basically this, what's going to be the. 26 to 50 percent of, of preseason camp I guess what are things that you want to see that you're looking for they think maybe okay we start getting answers to this week I want to see true separation at the quarterback position start pushing Willie to make that announcement you want me to keep but, oh so no 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 oh. I'm saying I want the players I want the player to kind of <laughs> separate him, himself differentiate himself <laughs> so much that he kind of forces a hand and Willie starts thinking I might I might know who that dude is mm-hmm. um, you know you're hitting the midway point you're not yet at the point where you probably need to make that decision that's more of a 75% turn mm-hmm. where you probably need that but you want to see you know if it's DeAndre you want to see DeAndre take that next step and mm-hmm. show the consistency for another week and do things at a high level um, 
Former Bradenton IMG quarterback, DeAndre Francois. I think you want to see mm-hmm. Juwan Williams show signs of improvement that he's learned from that first week of reps. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I need to do better? How do I need to do it better? Bavion needs to snap it better to give you that capable second center because he's the only real option on the roster other than Corey Martinez, who you don't want at center. Mm-hmm. Um, and then defensively, you know, for me, it's linebacker spot. Yeah, you got to you got to figure it out. You got to figure out who Sam is. You want to see somebody kind of go for that role, try to take it. But it, overall, I feel like, you know, I always view a football team as it's 44 deep, 22 on offense, 22 on defense. I feel like this group on offense, offensive line, second group, obviously I have major concerns with. But outside of that, I feel like it's 22 is pretty sound. Defensively, I feel like overall it's pretty sound with a couple of spots that need to figure something out. Sam linebacker probably being the most glaring. I think we have about 75% of that too deep kind of understanding where they're at with yep. it, what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, what the there's a couple more variables I think we're trying to see, but I think this team's starting to kind of get an, an idea of what, what it is. Yeah, a week in the camp, that's a great place to be. You're not doing a lot of searching. You're not – you're able to teach. You're able to try to make units better, groups better, people that are going to work side-by-side side better mm-hmm. instead of trying to figure out who the heck should be side-by-side. Side. One thing I should uh, – I agree. Uh, one thing that I should say when we were talking about tempo way, way – like. 40 minutes ago, and even though they're still learning it, so much more comfortable than they were yeah. just learning the offense. You could tell that's something that Willie has said a few times. I don't think that's coach speak that this the retention has been really good. Yeah, uh, it, spring was about learning your ABCs. Yeah. Now it's about reciting backwards. Yeah, yeah. so so I, th- Ooh, I, I couldn't do that. If I ever got pulled over, I couldn't do a backwards. Well, pulled over while You should just pull the, uh, is it Tommy Boy to Killer Bees and then run into the woods? You look like a... Like Chris, don't call me Chris Riley, man. Don't wish that upon me. <laughs> That's right. I'm David Spade. Uh, five reader questions. All right, here we go. Right. Uh, Quentin C. Pros, cons of participating... Damn it. I always with the pros questions. And, Reading's really hard. Pros. Let's sound it out. Pros and cons of practicing... Proto, he wrote POTOs, so I'm having a... Of practicing at IMG Academy. Pros are that it's a team-building exercise, and it's a good one. They're going to go. They're going to be together. They're going to disconnect from other things, girlfriends, kids, dogs, Yeah, but those damn media members are going to be there covering them, cameras in their faces. I think it's a good thing overall. I mean, the only con to me is that it costs money, and, you know, I don't care. It's not my budget, but you're always trying to make sure things work. You're trying to build a new facility. Yeah, money matters, but I don't think they went outrageous and spent a ton. We don't know the financials. Uh, FOIA requests coming Florida State. People have thrown sure. out Michigan numbers. It's They didn't fly oh, a whole football team and equipment uh, staff down and stuff, so it's it's not the same. No, I'm interested. Well, yeah, I think there's one, the contract part with IMG, and I'm not sure, entirely sure, admittedly, of the details right now, but that's what they had to do to be able to make this public and allow people to write about it and for us to cover it. Uh, so I'm not going to complain a whole lot that, that there may be you know, money being uh, spent there. That's fine. But, yeah, I think the, the travel budget, they didn't have a – when Safed was on the podcast last week, he said they didn't have a great idea of it at that time, which is eh, – I don't think – I think you have an idea of what your budget is. But eventually those numbers will come out. Um, yeah, I don't understand what the big deal is with the cons. I, I really don't. Unless, unless it comes out that you spent like $2 million doing this thing or – I don't think it's a huge deal. And even then, like eh, – Football teams Not my this. money. Yeah. Knowles, 86. Any sleepers to contribute this season that most aren't talking about? Do you, do you have one off the top of your head? And you want me to go while you think about it. Uh, one guy that I haven't written a whole lot about, and I think he's going to enter the, the two deep, and, and someone that didn't play at all last year, uh, Corey Durden at defensive tackle. Uh, I, I think that uh, he's someone that, with the new coaching staff, that 
you know, quote unquote light has turned on for him. He's someone who came in, wasn't in great shape. Uh, it's something that Odell really, really liked. And maybe not have even been the most talented of, of him and Jalen Parks, who are teammates together at defensive. You know, they're both defensive tackles at Newberry. But uh, Durden has taken reps, I think, with, with next to DeMarcus Christmas sometimes. Uh, I think he'd play you know, either your big defensive tackle or the quicker guy. He shed 20 pounds this offseason. Uh, someone who Willie Tiger mentioned as, as a leader during back in the chase. Uh, and we've only seen him continue to, to take reps. He showed well in the spring game. Yeah, he, you don't need him to play this year, but I think he could probably be in your rotation with, uh, uh, who's it, DeMarcus, Fred, and Marvin. Yeah. I think he could be the fourth guy there. I think that's a good pick. I'm going to go hard over mind. I want it to be George Campbell. Okay. Yeah. I want George Campbell to find success. He's an awesome kid. He's genuinely a very nice kid. Mm-hmm. He's gone through a hell of a lot with that hip issue. I want him to be good. FSU's a better football team if he's good. That position is a better position if he's good. He's always been athletically gifted. We'll see how the hands are that you speed on main knock on him, sometimes fighting the ball. But we'll see. I just want him to get out on the field and have a chance. That's uh, that's a good that's a good pick, Chris. And, and two anecdotes real quick on George. Uh, one, that guy is coaching up his teammates yep. uh, at a really high level, and I don't think it's just a show. Uh, it, there was one point the other day where he's – for, for applying himself, he ran a, a, a pattern. I think he didn't do it quite the right way. I'm not sure what the – the exact uh, you know, technical terms for her. He didn't. I think his footwork was sloppy. David Kelly, the wide receivers coach, was about to say something. George, you don't even have to say it. I got it. I messed up. And then he was going and coaching it up to uh, younger guys too. That's cool. Uh, another thing that I saw for an antidote with, with George. Uh, I think if he does help, you know, I, I think you have to kind of slowly bring a guy like that along who's had these injury problems. One thing you know he can do is is go downfield to make a play. I won't say what the specific pattern was, but George was running patterns. They all were. Uh, all the receivers were, and, and George ran it really crisply. And then DK goes, "Everyone's got a pattern, everyone's got a route. That's yours." Yeah, it's like George. it's like the elbow jumper for the basketball. Term. Yeah, exactly. You know, know where you can shoot from and nail it. And yep. George has a certain route he can definitely nail. So, all right, so cool. Moving on from that one. Yep. All right, number three, Houdat Knowles uh, with new media availability uh, at practice. What coaches and players have uh, you been the most impressed with? For me, coach is probably Greg Fry. Mm-hmm. I, I watch the O-line a lot. I'm very impressed by how Greg deals with it. I wrote about it this week, how he handles personality differently. You know, he, he was rough with Bavion at one point because Bavion messed up something that a third-year player probably shouldn't mess up. Mm-hmm. And he wrote him hard, and they were unhappy with each other. But he circled back, and they spoke, and they made sure the lesson was taught. And with younger guys, Jalen Goss is the world, Christian Armstrong in the world, it's very much a teaching thing. There will be some gruff moments, but in general, it's – this guy's three to five days into learning this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach him. I've been impressed by that. He has a major task at hand, so it's obviously important. But it's a nice departure from the way business was run at that position. I don't sure. feel like there's a lot of tearing down to rebuild guys, mm-hmm. which is what I think the old mantra was. I think this oh, is, you, yeah, look at you going going back a little bit. This group, I think it's very much a screw Jimbo. We're going to teach, and whoever shows that they've learned the lesson the best is going to get the chance, mm-hmm. and they're going to determine their playing time from a player perspective. You know, I think Brian Burns, he, he, Brian Burns is an immense talent. He's a special dude. He was a special recruit. He's realized all that. It's come together. And for some guys, it takes a while. And Brian was never bad at it, but he was never the most vocal type. He's far more comfortable being vocal. He's been an excellent leader, and he's about that money. He wants to go have an exceptional year, get a great NFL contract, and lead that defense to a lot of success. Yeah, I'll, uh, I won't deviate from Brian Burns because that, that was the guy who I had in mind too, and, and I think that's a cool example of 
the things that you're hearing in practice. You all of a sudden, when you can see it being reflected, uh, one makes you feel good about sourcing, and, and two just makes you feel good that that okay, what what people are telling you is is true, and so it has to be with 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 media access. Like it's cool to get that glimpse into what seems to be a real truth in, in practice, and that 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 is that the light has turned on for Brian Burns. As far as coaches, uh, yeah, I already knew David Kelly before from kind of covering him at UCF. Uh, I would say, oh God, he took my he took my piece Stay of paper focused. away. Um, so I knew him a little bit. Uh, I would say the guy that that's stood out to me, Alonzo Hampton. Uh, I thought he, in terms of media, you know, having an interview with him was really thoughtful, gave some cool anecdotes. I appreciate that. But then two, seeing him on the field, that's a guy who I think was probably the most people outside of the program were kind of like, ah, oh, who's that? Um, I mean, people were like, oh, he's a high school coach. He was almost labeled the 10th assistant yeah, as yeah. though it was demeaning and it shouldn't be for him. That dude is coaching like he has something to prove. I like the intensity he coaches with. I think he has good attention to details as special teams coordinator. He seems really like he's comfortable. I'm the special teams coordinator. I'm going to care about that. Somewhere Bob Ferrante is listening to this and <laughs> getting all sorts of turned on. But but I think it's been cool to see him. And I, You guys, you listeners, you Florida State fans should feel good about having a special teams coordinator that likes – coordinating special teams nothing to add with alonzo is outside special teams he's very involved he's very vocal he's very active he's also a dude that has a kid this age his son is going off to school now to play football he gets it he he relates well to being a fatherly figure a teaching figure to a kid this age Okay. And that that's clear and evident watching him in action teachers again teachers he's the guy who overriding theme Tommy Hawk, 43, how much of the game plan for VTech, Virginia Tech, do you think they have installed? And do you think that the newer, simpler concepts make game planning easier and faster than before? Uh, I don't know how far along they are in the game plan for Virginia Tech. I know they started looking at some of that in the spring. I think right now this point in camp is just housekeeping, getting getting your stuff in order. I think in, I think in maybe a week and a half, two weeks, you start seeing that that shift a little bit. And to the second part of the question, I think the ultimate goal is be really good at what you want to be. And you don't have to as much scheme specific to opponents. Obviously, if you're facing a team that's going to run it up the gut, like a BC type, you're going to have to deal with more. We're working to the middle of the field. If you're playing a team that's going to spread you out a bunch, you're going to deal with concepts that deal with they're going to spread the field, probably have a lot of DBs out there. So obviously there's variances. But I think at the end of the day, the goal right now in preseason practice is we're going to be really good at what we want to do. All right. Uh, fifth and final question. I repeat from when well, I repeat, but Quentin C comes in again. Um, Three-part question. I'm trying to, okay. First, who would you say looks like the most improved player from 2017 and who has benefited the most from the coaching change? Second, any chance that Walt Bell gets caught up in the Maryland mess? Uh, you know, the Maryland story is obviously uh, circulating right now. Not 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 great for that coaching staff's future, it looks like. Uh, and obviously not great um, for other, other areas as well, not to minimize just the football. So, uh, I don't know. I can't tell you about Walt Bell. His, his name hasn't been brought up in anything, right? Yeah, he I'm, wasn't there for a very long period of time. I don't think I'd, he was a Durkin guy. Like uh, I'd be surprised if Walt Bell was sitting around the meeting room throwing weights at people. He yeah. just doesn't come off as that Correct. dude. Um, I, I don't think he gets caught up in it. You never know. All it takes is an anonymous source or one player saying something negative, and it all gets sewn into the same story mm-hmm. without people thinking of the different context of different people yeah, in the same story. He, he doesn't seem like that. But he guy. doesn't strike yeah. me as that kind but, of guy. But again, and uh, players players that are dealing with him at FSU now really like the way he does things, mm-hmm. seem to like him. I, I don't ever see him really get demeaning towards guys. Again, he likes to teach guys. Yeah. When he was unhappy with DeAndre's footwork in a drill, they spoke specifically about the footwork. It wasn't yada, 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 yelling at him, you know, do better footwork. It was, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Do it again. 
Um, on the first part of the question, I'd probably go J-Rob. I feel like the lights really come on for him, that he's mm-hmm. a two-deep guy that's going to be really reliable. He looks like a million bucks. I mean, he, he looks like the dude you want to walk off the bus first. Mm-hmm. He's starting to play like that guy, too. And it always was going to take time. J-Rob's high school coaching was piss poor. He was not taught anything at that position. He wasn't taught technique. He walked in blind to what he was supposed to be as a defensive end. He just was physically special. The two are now meshing together. Uh that's a good. That's a good pick. Uh, in terms of most, I don't know how to blend this. Whether well, most improved. Dontavious Jackson's been really cool to see his physical transformation. Someone who's gotten it, and and I'll say as far as having the coaching staff, we knew he was talented. We knew he was a thumper. We knew he was a, a, a big time hitter. Uh, to see him kind of understand that, okay, like I'm a starter now, take that seriously. I, I guess integrate the the coaching change in that too. That's been good for him. Um, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that that has the ability. Uh, I wrote, wrote about this last week. You know, the linebackers for the last couple of years have not just been problematic with, with coaching. You just haven't had a lot of badasses at that position. Uh, I think we're starting to get to see where you have guys who could be who could be that. And Dontavious Jackson, Jaden Woodby, maybe to Kalen Brooks. Uh, and if that charge is led, it's it's going to be it's going to be Dontavious Jackson leading it. So all right, those are our five questions. I'm going to try to stick the landing. We got Brad, we got Bradenton IMG Academy practice this week. I'll be there. Josh Newberg lives down there, so. We'll be there, Chris. Uh, kids, two of them, one starting kindergarten. We don't need three of us there at practice. I don't want to share a hotel room with you because you snore really, really badly if I can I help it. I and I'll be staying with my dad anyways in St. Pete. Uh, it's good to see him. So we'll have all that coverage. Chris will be helping out remotely, uh, but we'll still have people there interviewing, getting video and all that stuff. So so stay tuned for that. I'll probably be on the road by the time most of you are listening to this. Uh, Drive safe. Yeah, any, anything else? We good? No, I think we're good. We're going to sprinkle in a little recruiting this week. We backed off the pedal on that last week. One, it's a dead period. Two, we did a ton for Saturday Night Live. And three, to focus was on the first week of practice. And I think we did a hell of a job covering the first week of practice. But that's about it. But thanks for listening. We'll be back. We'll do one. Who knows? Maybe Brendan. Don't, don't, don't may, tell. Maybe, don't set a time. Maybe Brendan and Josh do one from Bradenton. On if site. Josh and I do one, we're doing the What the Hell podcast part three. <laughs> okay. On that note, <laughs> our next one will probably be with me later next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.